Hi, it's Cara Brown, and this is Watercolor Conversations. It's a place where I share my love of watercolor and my seeking, my teaching, my discoveries, the connections I see, and just in general what it's like to be alive at this time here on planet Earth. I hope that this meets a part of you that's longing to be met. Thanks for being here. Hi, it's Cara. And to start out 2023, I thought that I would start with two topics that are central to what I do in this watercolor thing. The first of which is what I'm going to talk about in this episode, and that is color. And then I will very soon, I promise you very soon, do one on painting the light. So a post that I wrote in 2017, I called it the two faces of color. I start with a little story of an encounter with someone at an art festival. And I talk about the two aspects of color, one of which is working with it and the other one is more our relationship with it. So here we go. I'll never forget her question. It was at my second festival in San Anselmo a number of years ago, and a woman held up a print of a painting of mine I call Blossoming Hope and asked if I had it available in red. It took me a second, but then I realized that she didn't recognize it as a piece of original artwork, but rather like a drapery or a couch cushion. After all, fabrics in a particular pattern are often made in different color schemes. I knew she didn't intend for her question to sound ridiculous to me. She indeed liked my painting. And I get it, red just went better with her decor. So I found it within me to tell her in a pleasant voice that I had only painted that painting of yellow roses. Since she wanted a print with the wonders of Photoshop, I could have attempted to modify the digital image, making the roses red, but I just couldn't go there. Since I have begun to live my life centered around this idea of color, this is one of the more memorable situations I have to show me how completely subjective color is. And yet we also make our art and live our lives in a world where everything that we'd like to do with color is not possible. We have to come to terms with how our ideas about color can bump up against its limits and how each of the paints we use is much more than just a color. So first of all, color is a really abstract idea. It doesn't exist without something and it doesn't exist without light. At either end of the light spectrum, everything is all dark, all black, and too much light, everything just looks white. But the thing or the idea that we call color is really a reflection of part of the light spectrum. The nature of the substance that it is reflected from is such that it absorbs all the light except for the color we see, the surface of that thing. Color is also energy or it carries energy. There's less energy in violet than there is in red, which must have something to do with the length of its light waves. Energy varies from color to color, as do our responses to it, 
They are as individual as we are. Really vibrant color is enlivening to some, like me, and overwhelming to others. Muted neutral colors are boring or dull to some of us, while others, they're calming. Adrian Rogers, one of the artists in our Friday group, brought a gift from a trip to Boston back for me. It's a wonderful book called Roy G. Biv, R-O-Y-G period B-I-V, by Jude Stewart. The subtitle of the book is An Exceedingly Surprising Book About Color. So if any of you are as into color as I am and can be amused by fascinating facts and stories, it's a book for you. It's filled with all kinds of meanings and associations for colors and our relationships with them in all their shades. Did you know that many years ago, pink was for boys and blue was for girls? This is a English slash British thing. Blue was the color of the virgin's cloak and pink was the sort of wannabe, not yet grown up, watered down red of the red coats of the army. So I don't know how along the way it got swapped, but it it used to be the absolute opposite. And our association with them is so different now. It's very interesting how that is. There's this quote from this book, and I often read this at the beginning of my color workshops. And it goes like this. I'm going to tell you ahead of time who said it. Uh, It was Stephen Drucker, who was the editor-in-chief of House Beautiful magazine. He said, Color is like sex. It's mysterious. It's unknowable. It never looks the same twice. No two people see the same thing. I once went to China on a cruise ship. 800 of us got off the ship wearing white because it feels festive and shippy and it says, I'm on a cruise. In China, white is the color of mourning. We looked insane. Within this abstract world of our ideas, inclinations, and preferences for color, this relationship that we can have with color, those of us who work with it have to do it in the real world. The challenges of seeing, capturing, and attempting to reproduce color are threaded through the entire art-making process. And these challenges continue when we attempt to share images of our finished paintings. So living with a variation and imprecision in color is just a fact of life for artists. When we see something as we go about our lives that we like to paint, many of us start by taking a photo of it. And here's where the challenges begin. For the most part, our cameras do a decent job of capturing color, way better than my memory can anyway. But cameras cannot capture exactly as we see. Red and dark pink are notoriously difficult to capture accurately. From there, our device displays and printers each bring into their own color interpretations. With all these variables, the color in our images are often more different from what we saw in real life. But sometimes they're gifts too. Often reflections, like on a shiny leaf or something, might be blue. And that's something I love to play up in my work. And the camera can often seem to capture that blue in a way that is more attention-getting than I saw with my bare eyes. So it, it works both ways. Then there are the paints and the pigments that are available to us to make our art with. It's a really common misconception that we think of the paint 
in its different colors as different versions of the same basic substance. And I think we come about this pretty honestly, even though Crayola crayons are colored with pigments or dyes or something, some colorants, our young brains think of them as colors. We don't think of them as different substances like ultramarine blue or thalocyanine green or, you know, gamboge yellow. We think of them as the yellow, the orange yellow, the the pink. Those are the colors that we're working with when we're playing with crayons. At least these were my first kind of color tools, for lack of a better term. But these pigments that color our paints come from very different sources. The vast majority of them now are created by chemists in the lab. There are still some that are in use today that come from ground up earth and stones, especially Daniel Smith watercolors have their Primatech line, which are actually semi-precious gemstones ground up into paint. And some of them are from actual earth that's mined, but for consistency and environmental friendliness, many of the even earth pigments like the siennas and the sepias and the umbers and the ochres, those come, not sepias, sepia is a mixture, um, but the umbers and ochres, those are are manufactured in, in the laboratory from minerals. It's not uncommon in my art groups to have someone come in and, and, and say, how can I make this color? There's a few that can be really challenging to get to. And they are in the in-between the rose and violet range, kind of a periwinkle blue violet. That one can be tricky and a super vivid kind of light magenta somewhere in there. Those colors can be tricky to try to get. And all I have to say is that we just do our best and that nobody is going to be comparing what we paint to our original photograph. And even though I have the experience myself so many times that I have missed the mark, so to speak, with trying to reproduce a particular color, I have not had anyone look at my art and say that the colors that I've ended up with are dull. <laughs> so it, it, um, it all works out. The pigments in our paints also have qualities in addition to color that we must learn about in order to get the results we want. They can be transparent or opaque. They can have very, very tiny particles that dissolve into the water, creating clear layers of color. Or they can be comprised of larger, heavier particles that settle out of the water, creating texture. A lot of the blues do this. The technical term for it is flocculate. They can be either staining or they can be easily lifted. And then there's a particular quality that I pay attention to, and that is they can either be light fast, resisting fading as they're exposed to light, or they can be fugitive, meaning they will indeed fade or change color over time. There's so much to know about our colors. I say that in, in quotes, beyond the colors that we see as we paint our paintings. So that I can better help those who come to learn to paint from me. I've tried very hard to observe what's going on with the paint and the water as I make my paintings. The thing that I've observed and attempted to explain is how pigment, as it is mixed with water, is a physical substance. The amount of paint, the amount of water, and the ratio between them 
all make an enormous difference in what happens as we paint and the quote-unquote color that we end up with. I do know a lot about color. I can recognize a number of pigments based on just looking at them. I can see color in color, such as the green in a gray, or the blue in a black, or a violet maroon. I can recognize color because I have paid careful attention for all these years that I've been painting to what is happening as I paint. I've said this before in posts on my website, and I intend to do uh, an episode on it at some point too, but how and to what we pay attention creates our world. I've created a world for myself that is filled with color. I have a real relationship with the set of paints that I paint with at this point. When I wrote this, I had recently put together a new small palette of paints that I wanted to take on a trip with me. It's this tiny little thing that I used in this, these two little plastic <laughs> um, palettes that I taped together with white artist tape and made this tiny like three inch by nine inch palette that is just, um, it's really sweet and it was super cheap. And I filled the wells in the in that palette with only the paints that I use the most often, those that I love the most. And when I looked at that collection of paints when I did that, my thought was, these paints are my friends. I don't regularly provide a list of what I paint with to people who come to learn from me, besides a starter list for student-level paints if you have nothing and know nothing and you just need something to set out with. But for people who've been painting a while and they already have some paints, I resist sharing that list because I don't want people just going out to buy these paints just because I like them. I have had people come in with hundreds and hundreds of tubes of paints and they show me, now this is this artist's list and this is this artist's list. And what I want for everyone is to have your own friends, your own list. And you only do that by discovering them. It's no secret that I'm inspired by color. Color and the illusion of light weave through just about every painting of mine. I need color. I experience it as nourishment. And I couldn't imagine wanting to go on living in a world without it. And to make art, we also need to learn how to work with color in the world. In our photos and digital images and in the real substances that are our watercolor paints. I know, there's so much to learn. Even for me, every time I sit down to prepare for a color workshop and I do a new exercise or do a new color composition or something, I get something new. Color mixing is endless. And yes, I didn't even start into the world of color mixing. (laughs) So that's what I have to say about color today. It's a passion, it's an interest, it's an obs- it's a compulsion. I'm starting to say obsession, but it's really more a compulsion. I'm compelled. And it's it's the language of one of the languages anyway of art along with line and and light. So, okay. Thanks for tuning in. Happy color. <laughs>